0: nice to see you thank you bless you guys are you well are you good fantastic eh? good news this weekend if you're ferrari not if you're mercedes and uh good news if you're a springbok fan and well okay news if you're a springbok fan huh? yeah we won it eh? we won that draw yeah just uh one more announcement on the 18th 17th and 18th of august we are having a uh an amazing couple joining us for the weekend. They're going to be preaching in the morning and the evening services. But uh, something that I really want to announce is the Saturday morning, which is the 17th of August, Steve Sudworth, who is uh, somebody that is out of a church that was planted out of this church in Mpangeni. So uh, uh, Terry and Sandy Kruger won eldership here many years ago, went and planted in angani and came onto eldership there and from there planted into Chicago. And in fact, how's this, they planted into Chicago because of some Glenridge guys that had gone there and found a community and said, listen, we need a leader, we've got 50 people here, can you, can we, can you send us a leader? Anyway, so Steve and Debbie went there and planted that, Gee, that's a long time ago now, probably 15 years ago at least, and they've, they've hence planted multiple churches out of that church. So actually, part of what they're doing is part of our inheritance. It's the, it's the, it's the multiplication effect of planting churches and, and seeing the kingdom come and seeing people saved and multiplying that over and over again. And so they are, they have, they've got a real heart and, and kind of their thing is to plant churches. So they're going to be with us on the Saturday morning, 17th of August. If you've ever thought of planting a church that like even had an inkling of actually maybe a plant or maybe even going to support a church plant that moment is for you we're trusting and I'm trusting that God is going to use Steve as he talks to us about planting churches to catalyze something in our hearts that we would have the next group of church planters ready to go in the next few years and so this is part of us just saying God you want to use you you've used us before we don't want to be has-beens we were we want to be we are and we are planting churches, not we were planting, we did plant churches. And uh, it's, uh, so this is, a, this is a moment where I believe God is going to really use Steve and Debbie to catalyze something in our hearts and in our community. So, 17th of August, 9 to 12, it's going to be an amazing time. If that's you, diarize it, get there. We're going to have a lot of fun, and it's going to be really exciting. Brilliant. Tonight, we are talking, we are in the series of Joshua. And uh, we're at that stage of Joshua where I was kind of trying to prepare on it this week around dividing land and how does that work, and it's kind of you, it's great to preach the beginning of Joshua, like the first 10 chapters, and then the last two, you know, kind of it's preachable. Then you have, but this guy overcame this guy, and they killed this guy, and then they killed everybody, man, woman, child, and dog, and kind of this city and that city, and king this and king that, and you think, what is, how do you, what does this mean? And it's been amazing to see. Actually, it does mean something for us, which is coming next week. But uh, I really was interrupted by God this week um, in my prayer time. Just, just I, I felt like we needed to preach on Proverbs 5. And this morning I uh, preached quite a hectic word, quite a hectic kind of straight from the hip into your solar plexus kind of word. And, 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 and it really ministered to people that I believe needed to be ministered to. And it kind of ripped the other guys right, you know, hopefully as well. So um, what I want to do this evening is I want to preach the second half of that. And I really do believe if you want to take ground and if you want to walk into your inheritance, your marriage and your singleness matters. The way you do single life and the way you do marriage matters. And specifically this text is around marriage and and kind of how you conduct this and it starts in the beginning from from verse 1 right the way through to about 15 or 14, verse 14, and it talks about how stupid it is for you to commit adultery. And it says this, it says, actually you're so because you don't realize that there's poison coming down the road. It looks good, it looks like the grass is greener on the other side, but it's going to take your best time, it's going to take your best strength, it's going to rob you of your inheritance and you're going to end up in death. That's what it says. It's quite hectic, like serious. And uh, what I want to do this evening is I want to continue this, this through this text. One of, one of the key words from this morning is this. It's, it ends with this in verse 14. I've come to, on the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. So it's like, it's like all this has happened. I've chased this woman. She promised so much because actually... Kind of her words were smooth, like smooth and silky like honey. It tasted so good, but eventually it stopped tasting good and it became gall, it says. It became bitter. And it says, and, and this all happened in the midst of the community, in the midst of the assembly. I walked into almost walked into utter ruin in the midst of the assembly. So what we can do is we can sit here Sunday after Sunday. And we can have God ministering to us, being under the word of God, and this can happen to us. Friends, it never just happens overnight that we move into adulterous relationships or into wrong relationships. It's a small 20 steps over a period of time as we drift towards this, where we lose intimacy with God, we lose our prayer life, we lose our Bible life, we lose intimacy with our friends, we get isolated. And what happens is we end up in this place where we think, How did I get here? And my life is ruined. I've messed this up. By the grace of God, the blood of Jesus, which fixes and restores all things, can break in. The problem is, he says in, in Proverbs chapter, uh, p- chapter 5, he says that you, what happens is you go dwarf, you can't think straight. So what happens when you're in that place, you don't realize that you're in that place, and you think you've got all the answers, and your friends are talking to you, and, your, and God's talking to you, and everybody's talking to you, but you think you know better, and so you end up in this place of utter ruin, he talks about. But let's have a look at the next verses from verse 15 through to the end of the chapter. He carries on, and he says this, drink water from your own cistern. Running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares? Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. Hopefully you've started to understand that when he talks about uh, running waters and wells and springs, he's talking about your sexuality. says, that's not to be shared with strangers. It's not for the public square. You must drink water from your own system, your own well. The thing that God has given to you to sustain you, that's where you drink, where that sexual appetite is, is, is fulfilled. It says, you never go outside to the public. I want to talk this evening, part of this this evening is actually to to single people. Your sexuality, friends. You know, God has got such a high value of sexuality and sex that He doesn't share it with everybody. You get that with your wife or your husband for the rest of your life. In the Bible, sex, making love, And sexuality is very holy and very sacred. The bar is very high for God when it comes to those things. Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer. Listen, that's not going to work in today's times. My love, you are such a beautiful deer. You're a buck. Not going to really work. A loving doe and a graceful deer, listen to me now. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son? You see, this is a father talking to his sons. Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom the most intimate parts of, a, of another woman, of another man's wife. Why do that? Why do that, he says, when you've got the wife of your youth that will satisfy you always. For a man's ways are on full view of the Lord, and he examines all his parts. I think we've got to get a real soberness around the fact that God sees everything. God doesn't miss everything. The problem is is that God does let us get away with things for a time. And then eventually it catches up with us. But because God doesn't strike us down immediately, we think, well, we're on a good path. We're not. He examines all his, he says this, man's ways on full view of God, and he examines his paths. So he examines our walk with him. He examines the road that we travel. It's not like he can just see it. He actually is examining, making sure that the right things are in the right place and the right obstacles are not there and, the, and all these sorts of things. He's actually examining the path that we walk. The evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. You see, eventually it catches up. And it us and holds us fast. He will die for lack of discipline, led astray by his own great folly or foolishness. I feel like God is wanting to, I said this morning, is wanting to defibrillate some of us. He's wanting to shock some of us into, listen here, what, you, what you're playing with and what you're stepping into is dangerous ground, don't go there. And I pray that I can graciously, lovingly, but strongly challenge us tonight around what he's saying here. And whether you're married or whether you're single, this applies to you. Let's have a look at what he says. He talks about your sexuality, your 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 lovemaking, who you give yourself to in that most intimate place as being your own place that satisfies you. And he says, don't give that to anybody else except your wife or your husband. Single people. Helen said an amazing thing at our elders' time this week. She's just come back from the UK and the, the adverts on the TVs are quite hectic and and she said this, she said, familiarity, familiarity makes a new norm. So when you're watching TV shows where people are giving themselves to the public square and to strangers, and that's all that we see, it becomes familiar, that becomes normal. Friends, can I just say to you, that is not normal for the kingdom of God. That is not normal for a Jesus follower. That is not normal for somebody that says they follow Jesus. You've got to know in the days when this was written, that chast- sexual chastity, this, the, uh, the, the, the sense of, of purity around sexuality was like a totally culturally different, it, was, it, it shocked people as much as it does today where people cannot believe that if you're going out, that you haven't slept with each other before you get married. You haven't tested each other out yet to see whether you're sexually compatible or to see whether you're compatible. Friends, can I say to you, every human being is incompatible with each other. But by the grace of God and by the love of God that breaks into our hearts, that gives us a love for others, that is beyond what we can love and actually enables us to give ourselves away because actually that's what love is. So actually, God, God doesn't, I don't believe God chooses the person for you to marry. What God chooses is the kind of person you should be marrying. And then you make a cho- choice. Because when you get up on a, on a, at your wedding day, it's not God that says, I do, it's you. You say, I do. You say, yes, this is one that I'm going to give my life to. Promiscuity was rampant in this Greek culture of Jesus' day. And so for them to be preaching a message of, of sexual purity was completely in the face of the culture, as much as it is today. In, in fact, it was probably worse then. Often we have the idea that kind of those days weren't as bad as today. They were. And he says this, that let it be yours alone. Let that form of intimacy, let that form of oneness, let that form of, of of, of sexuality, be yours, be yours alone. Don't share it with strangers. Don't share it with people you don't know. Don't share it with people that don't love you unconditionally and self-sacrificially. Because the place for that, pla- for that, for that sexual relationship is within the confines of a covenantal relationship. And a the covenantal relationship means this, is that I die so that you can live i die for you. Like, do you know the covenantal relationship we have with Jesus? He died. He said, actually, I will, I will live for this, your sake from now on. What happens to me is it's not about me. It's about you. That's covenantal relationship. It's not if you perform, and if you do the right things, then actually I'm going to love you. That's not covenant. That's contractual. He says this, let, your, let them be yours alone. Let that be yours alone. May your fountain be blessed, he says. May your fountain be blessed. Friends, sexuality within marriage is the most blessed thing in the world. Sex, having sex within the confines of marriage, is a blessing from God. It's an absolute blessing from God. It is the thing, it's not just just something that you tag onto marriage, it's part of you building oneness. It's all part of you becoming one together. And out of that oneness and out of that intimacy, fruitfulness, kids are born. It's a beautiful thing that God has given us, but always within the confines of marriage with your wife or your husband. Be blessed, he says. And he says rejoice in the wife of your youth. Husbands, if you are starting to become crusty and cranky, and critical of your wife. God says to you tonight, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Get before him and ask him to rekindle. Open your eyes, open your ears, open the, the the your mind to know what it was that you when you got married. Because actually that's still there. I want you to, he says this: he says, Rejoice in the wife of your youth. He goes on to say, and her breasts are there to satisfy you always. Always. It means her body is there, will satisfy you always. If you're in a marriage and that's not the case, get help. Ask somebody to help you. Get help. Don't blame the other person. Get help for you. Get help for you and your heart. May her breast satisfy you always. You see, the Bible says this and carries on, in fact, may you ever be captivated. Other translations say intoxicated by her love. And that word love could be also translated love making. So so you could read this, you could say, may her body or breast satisfy you always, may you ever be intoxicated by her lovemaking. You see, this is what God has for our marriages, friends. If we understand what God is doing, and we're becoming more like Jesus, the church and Christians should have the best sex lives within marriage Ever. in comparison to the world we shouldn't be getting Cosmo and the magazines to spice up what we've got what God's given us actually we should be going to God and saying God your word says that her body and her breasts even when they've had three or four kids and they're not what they used to be when she was 21 will satisfy you always I'm serious, friends. This is a big deal. I feel like God. We're, we're trying to take ground, but what we're doing is we're losing ground in our sex lives. And God is trying to. We, what we're wanting to do is we want to pick the bar up and say, God, I'm not satisfied with a mediocre sex life in my marriage. Not uh, mediocrity is we just drift into mediocrity and it becomes normal. And we go through the motions, or we don't go through the motions, and the next thing we end up down the road in bed with somebody else that we should never be. Didn't start then, didn't start that night. It started two years ago when we started getting mediocre, and our walk with God and our relationship with our husband or wife. Captivated by her lovemaking. Can I speak to single people? Thank you. See where? Can I speak to single ladies? Yeah. Do not, do not take the bait of he loves you so much. And if you love him so much you will have sex with him before you get married. Please don't do that. You know what? It says here that your breasts will satisfy him always in marriage, and you will be intoxicated by your lovemaking within marriage. Must I tell you the greatest test as to whether he really loves you is when you say no. And if he, if he can't understand that and he can't deal with that, let him walk away. Run away from him. Please, run away from him. You, de- you, you deserve better. You deserve somebody that loves you unconditionally, self-sacrificially, where they will, where they will honor you, respect you, and allow you to, be, to have your convictions. And please, by this stage, I'm hoping you, you're understanding that he's also a believer. Because if he's not, he's going to struggle with that. He doesn't believe the Bible like you do. He will, eh? (laughs) Unless he's intoxicated with you to the point he's willing to give his life away for you, Friends, a peep, a, people say this is to me often as well. Yeah, but what does a piece of paper mean anyway? What does a piece of paper mean? Uh, what's the point? It's just a piece of paper, marriage. No, 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 marriage is way more than a piece of paper. You see, if marriage is romantic feelings and passion, then a piece of paper won't matter. But marriage is not a pe- not romantic feelings and passion. It's way deeper than that, way more significant than that. It's about about you giving yourself to each other in love, in sacrificial love unconditionally. Which means it's going to cost you. You see, so when he says, yo, what does a piece of paper mean anyway? What he's trying to say, it's code for, actually there's a limit to how much I'm willing to give you. There's a limit to what, how far we're we willing to go with this. I'm not all in. I'm partially in. And you're not worth it, actually. You'll be intoxicated by her love. Always. You know, friends, our intimacy, I say this always when we do marriage counseling, your wedding day should be the worst day of your marriage, if you're walking with Jesus. Because actually, as you walk with Him 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the line, you're so becoming more like Jesus, you're so being able to love and self-sacrificially, you're so beginning to see more about others than what you are about you, that actually your intimate life, not just your sexual intimacy, but your intimacy, your friendship is so much more profoundly deeper 30, 40, 50 years in than what they are when you get married. When you get married, you don't even know who you're going to marry, actually. But as as that begins to unfold and you start to see who this person really is and you start to see the beauty of how God has made this person, that you give yourself to each other in intimacy in such a way, in in agape love, self-sacrificial, unconditional love. I keep saying those words. Friends, it changes the whole game. And unless you've got that, don't get married, and certainly don't have sex before you get married. And you see, this is where porn is such a bad thing for intimacy, This is where porn is such a bad. Because what happens is, with porn, you start to see things and the bodies of other women, or men, of other women doing things that is not real. And you think that that's normal. And so what happens is, you go and you impose that on your wife. And immediately in your mind, because men are wired visually, when you're making love to your wife, the porn thing is playing in your in your mind. And now you're wanting to do things that is dishonoring to her, where she hasn't got space for to do that. It's not out of love now, it's out of lust because you're living in this this video, this thing in your mind. And so instantly there's comparison. Instantly, there's competition, and instantly you don't, you're not satisfied by the wife of your youth. Because you've watched this thing, where she's built like no other person on the Earth is built, with all the right place, things in all the right places, and your girl, your, 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 your wife is not perfect like that. She's just her. And so what happens is you get dissatisfied with that body. And then she has two or three kids and you have even more dissatisfaction with that body. Bible says it will satisfy you always. Doesn't matter how many years into marriage it is. You see, God has a way, friends, that you can make love to the same woman for 50 years and always be satisfied. and not have to change it up. But you see, you've got to cross the line of this is not about me. It's about love for another. It's not about me. It's not about me being satisfied. It's about me satisfying another. God is wanting to lift the bar in our marriages, in our singleness, and the way we conduct ourselves. And that's why he goes on to say, so why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why would you even go there? Why would you even think of that when you've got this? He goes on, and he says that God's, your, your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all his paths. And he says these last words in verse 23. He will die for lack of discipline, led astray by his own folly. The Hebrew there is having refused discipline. This is somebody where people are trying to help and they've said no. I know better. or hated disciplined, or spurned correction. This is, this is somebody that's actually, God has tried to speak to you, but actually you've said, no, I don't, I don't want to learn. I don't want to be trained. I know better. I don't feel like this is right. Friends, this is what uh, Proverbs, another Proverbs says, verse, uh, Proverbs 14 verse 12 says. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Friends, there can be ways that we feel that this is so right, but it's not right. It's not God. And friends, as soon as you are violating the scriptures, as soon as you're starting to push people away, as soon as you're starting to isolate yourselves, you're in trouble. You're in deep, deep trouble. And if you've done that already, Tonight God is saying to you, stop, come out of isolation, start to think clearly, even if it's just for a moment so that you can come and listen to somebody and actually listen to the correction or listen to the discipline or listen to the training that is going to come through them so that you can put your life back on track and put your marriage back on track. God is, God is wanting to shake us. Like God is wanting to take hold of us and say, actually, that's enough now. I'm wanting you to take ground. I'm wanting to increase your inheritance, not shrink it. I'm wanting you to step into more of what I've got for you. But I can't get you to step into more if your relationships, your marriages are not Right? And maybe there's some people here tonight that are toying with this idea. There was this morning, numbers of people. that we're actually toying. We're starting, starting to text people. Starting to lose sight of what's important and what's eternal and what's significant and you're starting to contemplate a relationship that you shouldn't be in, and maybe you're a married person and you're starting to contemplate a, a relationship or an with an ex or with somebody else that's caught your eye, friends, they will speak words smooth as honey to you. It's gonna end up being poison. And maybe you're a single person and you're so badly wanna get married and you're so badly wanting to be in a relationship. And there's, there's a guy, maybe a, uh, somebody courting you. Who's not living in the purity of this text. And actually you need to stop it. You know, you know what he says in verse 8. When he talks about this relationship that you're going. He says this. He says keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of the, her house. You know, you know, this thing requires you to change your friendships if necessary. Must I tell you what? If there's somebody at work that is courting your eye, change your job. Change your job. This thing is way more significant than a job. You, you've got to stay far away from this. You've got to take a different road, What birth of this scenario. And if that's you tonight, maybe that's you tonight. Maybe God is just saying to you, actually, I want you to come back now. I want you to come back. I want you to come back to your senses. I want you to come back to my scriptures. I want you to come back to me and my intimacy with you. I want you to come back into the life of the church, You know what happens, friends. As soon as you go down that road, you know you know where you end up in the wrong place. That's twenty or thirty steps down the road, but ten steps down the road, ten steps there, the signs are already on the on the on the wall. The signs are already there. It's all happening, and I'm praying that God will speak tonight. And God will work tonight. By his grace and by his love. And rescue marriages. And rescue your purity as a single person. And rescue you from a heartache. And from pain like you've never felt before. Quite a thing, the scriptures, eh? Quite a thing, these scriptures. Friend, Jesus died. To have a church that would be on display to the world and would show the world of what it means to be human and what it means to have marriages that are strong and healthy and what it means to have sex lives within marriage at a different level. Not living in mediocrity and not going off the path, drifting slowly but surely